Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know that means it's time for another drive to work. Okay, so I ran a while ago for you guys the Rosewater Rumble, where I pitted my 16 sets against themselves. Uh, the winner was in the Sherrod, but I think the set that really sort of was the surprise of the whole thing was Future Sight. Um, Future Sight was responsible for two of the three upsets. And the third upset was Indistride beating Ravnica, which is almost not really an upset in that when we were picking a one and two, we weren't sure which to put first. So we, we knew, kind of knew they were going to be the two finalists, and we weren't honestly sure what was going to win. So, uh, but Future Sight honestly surprised us. I, I did not expect Future Sight to do as well as it did. Um, but I think I understand why it did as well as it did. So let, let's, let's talk today. Today is all about Future Sight. Um, now let me start by saying this. I'm a big fan of Future Sight. I think people think that I don't like Future Sight. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, in, fact, in fact, as a designer, I'm very proud of it in the sense that it was one of the hardest designs I ever did. In fact, it, it, in my mind, it's the second hardest design I ever did after Unglued, which ironically was up against in the first uh, thing. Um, the only reason Unglued to me was a little bit harder than, than Future Sight was Unglued didn't even know what it was, you know, where I, I, had, to, I had to sort of give a definition to it. Uh, where Future Sight knew kind of what it wanted to be, and the challenge was, how do you make that happen? So, here's what happened. Uh, I'm, I, I became head designer during the, in the middle of um, Kamigawa Block. So, Ravnica Block was my first you know, time leading the block. Time Spiral was my second. So, um, as I explained in the Time Spiral podcast, we had started with this theme of, of time, and it kind of quickly became, nostalgia became a big part of it. Uh, and then the block structure I set up was past, present, and future. Um, past was very clear. Like, how do you represent the past? Well, show things from the past and cards from the past and things from the past. And, you know, the past was very easy. Um, as I talked about in my Planar Chaos podcast, I eventually came up with the idea of the alternate present of the way things could have been. And once I got that hook on it, I understood what it was supposed to be. Now, Future Sight, I knew what it wanted to be. It was a glimpse in the future. I understood that. Um, and we had the time-shifted cards. So I knew going in that, okay, it was a set all about the future that played into hinting at what the future could be, and then it would have cards from the future. Um, which, I remember there was a, a comic someone did at the time where they were making fun of it. It's like, they're cards from the future, but they're in the packs. Aren't they cards from now? You know, like... Uh, but I, I liked a lot the flavor of Future Sight, of the idea of, of it's a place for us to have this playground to tease where magic was going. Now, normally when you do a set, what you want to do is you want to concentrate, right? You want to pick a few mechanics and do those few mechanics. And, and all my training is all about saying, okay, don't go wide, you know, go narrow. Take your mechanics, pick a few, really flesh them out, you know, and that the, the, the strength of, of usually making a design work is concentration, but that, that wasn't what Future Sight wanted. What Future Sight wanted was to go wide. Oh, before we get to that, let me, let me talk about the design team. Because uh, Future Sight had a very interesting design team. Um, I don't know if I told... So, let's walk through the design team. Um, so, I was the lead, obviously. Um, uh, Mark Gottlieb was on the team. Uh, Devin Lowe, who at the time... I think he was the lead developer, but he was a developer, if not the lead developer, and he was the, the development representative on the team. Um, those were the two normal ones. Those are the people who had done design, had been on design teams before. 
Uh, the rest of the people on my design team had never been on a design team before. Well, that's interesting, Mark. Why would you put three people on your design team that had never done design before? And the answer was, I was doing Future Sight. I needed to go to, I needed to find things that Magic hadn't done. So I wanted some designers that didn't know, you know, weren't used to doing Magic design, that kind of maybe would, you know, be out of the box a little more. So I had three people. Number one, Matt Cavada, uh, who at the time was uh, on the creative team in charge of names and flavor text. Um, Matt had always wanted to try his hand at design. Um, he had a very different sensibility. Plus, I knew that uh, this was going to be a, trickle, a tricky flavor to match. Because um, not only were we showing glimpses of mechanical futures, but we were showing glimpses of creative futures. So I wanted a creative person on the team. Matt had, talked, had interest in designing. Matt definitely has a very different aesthetic I thought would be good. So Matt Cavada was on the team. Next, a guy named Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller currently is the equivalent of me on another product we make, another trading card game we make called Kaijudo. Um, he's the head designer for Kaijudo. Um, at the time... Uh, Ryan was doing a lot of different designs. Ryan's a very good designer, um, but Ryan had never done a magic design before. Um, and one of the problems in general I've l learned when you bring established designers into magic that aren't familiar with magic is they spend a lot of time sort of hitting areas you've hit before. Um, that usually what happens is you want people that are very well versed in magic because they kind of they've learned the lessons of magic and. Designers that are well-experienced but don't know magic well tend to rediscover a lot of that stuff. Um, and so Ryan was brought in because I knew he didn't know magic well, but also I was trying to use that as a plus in that he might go places we had closed off or hadn't thought about because we determined somehow we can't do it. And I wanted somebody who had, had that sort of, who, you know, maybe could go areas that we had, we had sort of self-censored. Um, and so I brought Ryan on. And the last person was an uh, intern at the time, somebody who would later go on to be in the Magic Pro Tour Hall of Fame. I uh, guess? Actually, there's only two people who fit that description. Uh, one is Pat Chapin, but he's not the person. Zvi Moshewitz was the sixth member of our design team. And as you'll see in a minute, I'll, I'll talk about one of the mechanics. Zvi was very instrumental in, in one of them. Okay, so what happened was, okay, we're showing a glimpse of the future. Now, what happened... Brian Tinsman did Time Spiral... Bill Rose did Planar Chaos. I took Future Sight mostly because I understood what we were trying to do uh, and show off the future. And like, this is a hard set. I knew it was a hard set. Um, and here's here's the biggest thing. So, for example, the times the time shifter cards were from the future. So every single time shifter card had to do something we've never done before. You know what I'm saying? Like. I can't just show you something from the future that's something we've already done. You're like, well, I'm glad the future looks pretty boring. You're doing that again. You know, you can't repeat what you've done. Now, a lot of what we did is uh, riffing. Like a lot of the future we showed you were things that were things that made sense that we could do. You know, a lot of it was like, oh, I hope they one day do this, and we we, we did some of that. So. We tried to show you some stuff you'd never seen before. We had mechanics you'd never seen before. But at the same time, we also wanted to go down some avenues and explore some things that was kind of obvious maybe we could do one day and show what we did. There's a lot of uh, extra extrapolated design. Um, also, be aware that I went down avenues that I never planned to actually go down. Um, uh, one of the ones I'll give examples, we had an enchantment that tapped. I don't want to do enchantments that tapped. But I felt like when exploring all these potential futures, uh, I had to throw a few things in that I thought were like, you know, 
you know, futures that people might have thought we would do. Just because it is very, very hard to come up with stuff we've never done. And so I felt like, okay, I'm not going to... Even stuff that's normally off limits, I'm willing in this set to sort of goof around and, and tease at things. And, um, and part of the fun was, the whole idea of the set was, we're showing you potential futures. Now, be aware. Uh, I had, at the time, a six-year plan, I think. Um, so, I mean, I had some idea where we were going. You know, I knew... I knew clearly the next year, the year after that, and the year after that, and then I had some, some ideas of where we were going. So what happened was a lot of the designs were us teasing in directions I thought one day we would go. For example, um, Arbor Dryad, Dryad Arbor, Dryad Arbor, Arbor Dryad, I think it's Dryad Arbor, is a land that's a creature and a land. Well, I knew we were doing a land block. I knew we were going to do Zendikar. I didn't know what we were doing with lands, so I played around with the kind of things we can do with lands. Now, it turns out, when we went to Zendikar, we didn't actually do that. But that was me kind of teasing you and showing you that we're going to mess around with lands. Um, likewise, um, there was the mirror. What's the mirror's name? Uh, there was a mirror that was an artifact creature. It was a blue frame, but also an artifact creature. Um, and at the time, we were sort of teasing, especially with the creative, we were teasing that we were going to go back to um, Mirrodin and that the Frexians had invaded. Um, and so that was a little clue there about that. But it turns out we ended up using the colored artifacts in Alara, Shards of Alara block. So when we got to um, Return to Mirrodin, we didn't do that. So uh, a lot of times, uh, sorry, a lot of future sites was us sort of knowing areas we're going and playing with it. Now, a few of them we knew for sure. We definitely planted some stuff for the very next set uh, or, you know, the next year's worth of sets. If you notice, all four sets in the, uh, the Lorewind, Morning, Morning, Morning Tide, uh, Shadowmore and Eventide all had um, a card. For, you know, we, we planted the stuff that's near, and then we've always sort of, whenever we do a set, we look and see. Uh, and I happen to know for a fact that there's a couple future sided cards right, scheduled right now to come in future sets. Now, I mean, they haven't happened yet, so, uh, but I mean, they're currently in sets right now, so it's something we constantly look for. And it's one of the things I thought would be fun about Future Sight was we'd have this sort of game that would go on for a long time. It would both tease our future and have us sort of have fun sort of recognizing it. One of the things we've run into is a lot of times the creative and mechanical, we would guess at a mechanical future and creative would guess at a creative future and they don't always line up. That, that's been the biggest problem where, oh, we do want to do this card, but that's not a creative we'd use. And, um, I mean, the premise we always gave was these are from potential future, so some would come to pass, some wouldn't come to pass. Now, uh, so the time shift to sheet... Uh, we'll talk about that first because that, that is one of the major elements. Okay, so the rule I set for the time shift to sheet said um, anything on the sheet had to be something we haven't yet done but could do. Um, and, and some of the could do might be, well, I don't think we're going to do that, but it's teasing at different things. Um, now, the one thing that I should point out is the frame real quick. Um, so each time we had a time shift sheet and we used a different frame. Uh, the first set had the old frame. Uh, the second set had an alternate frame with where magic could have been, uh, which was kind of a reworking, a combination of the old frame and the new frame in a different way. I love the Planar Chaos frames, by the way. I think I mentioned that in the Planar Chaos podcast. The future cast frames were... We had actually toyed with changing magic's um, frame. I mean, we did change magic's frame, but we, we had explored with a much more radical way to change magic's frame. So the future site was actually... Uh, a peek into that frame. Um, like, the, we had, when we were planning to redo the frame and mirror it in, 
you know, the eighth edition frames, as people call them. Um, we toyed with a lot more radical ideas, like having the mana cost on the left side, because we thought that way when you spread your cards, you can see them. We had, like, uh, little symbols to represent the, the kind of cards. We, all this technology that we were thinking of doing, um, we went to the future, we ended up using that, we had done a lot of work to make those frames. Um, there are a few additional things we did, and it's funny, the symbols for the different card types, I think Magic Online later used those, so uh, it is funny that little things we did ended up getting used. Um, so the other thing that we did with the uh, future shifted stuff is, uh, A, we wanted to show you things we might actually do, and we had mechanics and things from the future. B, we, some of them, there were a couple of things that we thought were funny. Let me, let me talk about a few individual ones. So, Tarmogoyf was made originally because I wanted the following joke, uh, which was, uh, these are the card types of magic, and it would list card types that didn't exist. Now, when I first came up with that joke, I planned to just list whatever, some card types that were just sounded interesting. Oh my God, what's that? Uh, but, because uh, I made Tarmogoyf pretty early on in the process, but in, in the middle of that, Matt Cavada came to me with the idea of doing Planeswalkers. Now, Matt and I, Matt was my guest for a whole Planeswalker podcast, if you ever listened to that. Um, and I liked the idea. We ended up doing them. We tried to do them in Future Sight, but we couldn't quite... We were close enough that we knew we had something really cool, but not close enough that we were confident putting them in. So, in fact, the, the story about Tarmogoyf, if I haven't told this, I, might, I tell the story a lot, so I apologize if I told it already. Uh, I made Tarmogoyf. Then, when the Planeswalkers were going to be in the set, we're going to have three Planeswalkers in Future Sight, uh, one of which was green, we remo- removed Tarmogoyf to put in the Planeswalker. Um, so instead of the joke mentioning the card type, we just show you a new card type was the idea. But then when the Planeswalkers weren't ready, we pulled them out, and Mike put Tarmogoyf back in. And it's funny, literally Tarmogoyf was made because I thought it was hilarious to have reminder text to show you other cards. Um, and then, once we figured out that we weren't going to do Planeswalkers, it's like, oh, this is awesome, I can show you a card type that in fact is going to exist in the near future. And that was even better. Like, I actually, it's an actual, I'm actually showing you in the future. Um, And at that time, we'd also figured out that in order to make the thing we were trying to do in Lorwyn, which was the next set work, we were going to need the tribal. So we ended up putting tribal on it, too, because, okay, here's two new card types that are going to show up next set, which was pretty damn cool. Um, And the reason, what happened was, I had a long list of things I could do, and one of my things was Lurgoy variant, question mark, and the other was card that shows... Uh, reminder text of card types, and then one day my brain's like, hmm, hmm, interesting. Uh, and then I'm like, okay, well, you know, Lurgoyf cares about things in the graveyard. Card types are something I could care about. Boom, and I put them together. Um, when, I, when I made the card, by the way, I believe it was 2G for a star star. It might have even been 3G for a star star. Uh, either 2G or 3G. Uh, the reason with star stars, I hate star plus one. I hate it. Like, whatever, just make it nice and simple and easy to grok, and, like, I don't think you need a star plus one, you know, like, whatever, five, nothing to your graveyard, you can't play it. It's not, you know, it's not that big a loss. Wait till you have something to your graveyard. Um, but what happened was when Mike, uh, um, Mike Turian was the lead developer, when Mike took out Tarmogoyf to put in the Planeswalker and then had to put it back, he did it from memory, and because Lurgoyf are star, star plus one, he just assumed it was star, star plus one. Um, and so... And then, and then he also lowered it to 1G. So, uh, well, I made Tarmogoyf. Uh, Mike kind of made Tarmogoyf, if you will. Um, so, okay. So, uh, the other... What else did we do? Um, oh, so the other thing we thought would be funny was to make some 
a few cards that were kind of just jokes. So one of the cards I made, uh, I forget what it did, but it like, when, uh, when you blog a blorg and splig a splorg or something, and you know, I, it just was made up words. Uh, or I think it was, I think, no, what it was was it made up a creature type that sounded silly and like, all blorgs get plus two, plus two and something, you know, and, and Aaron liked where I was going where I was just making up something that we didn't really plan to support, um, but he thought we didn't push it far enough. So Aaron took it and tweaked it and turned it into uh, an early version of Steam Plugger Boss. Uh, and his Steam Plugger Boss, uh, it was whenever you erect a monument, whenever, uh, whatever, a rigger erects a monument, you said erect two monuments. Uh, and then in development, someone decided that we probably shouldn't be erecting things. And I don't know. It sounded bad. I, anyway, we changed it to assembling a contraption. Um, and the idea was it would be this card that kind of hinted at, you know, this future. Who knows what's going on? That was kind of funny. And it was our intent that we were just joking. Um, but then Aaron goes and tells people in this column there's a joke. And I'm like, but Aaron, told that joke is funny when you don't tell people it's a joke. And then once Aaron said it's a joke, that we had no intention of making assembling contraptions and stuff, then, of course, what is the, like... For example, I did this thing where I asked my uh, Tumblr audience what are the top ten things they wanted to see. Well, I didn't ask top ten. I asked them what are the things they most wanted to see. Uh, and like in the top five was contraptions. Like contraptions have become this giant thing because we, we sort of threw the gauntlet down. And then Aaron's like, oh, we could never do this. Uh, and so I, I, I uh, and the problem was we didn't make it easy for us. So the contraptions are on my short list of like, if one day I can solve contraptions, I should make contraptions. Um, but there's a whole, yeah, yeah, it is, uh, give or go read the rules about it. Like, you, the player, don't assemble contraptions, the, or at least sometimes the creatures assemble contraptions. So what does that mean? Why are they assembling them? And it's an artifact subtype, and, ay, ay, ay. Anyway, uh, it has become one of the things that people bug me about most. Uh, which means that I, I've spent some time thinking about it. Uh, it is a, it is very tricky. It is very tricky. But I promise you this, the day I figure out how to do them, I will look for a place to put them. Um, oh, also on the time shift, here's another funny story about the time shift sheet. So, um, normally when development makes holes, what they do is we have hole filling. There's people in R&D and outside of R&D that they'll go to to fill holes. Um, and so normally, once I hand over a set, I'm not very involved in hole filling. Usually they come to me when, like, they're having real trouble filling it. And then I'll try to help them, you know. But normally, normal home filling can usually fill holes. The problem was the normal hole filling team was really bad at filling time-shifted holes. Because it has to be something you've never done, but something that you maybe could do. And that's just, that's really, really hard. I mean, when I talk about this set being so hard to design, trying to wrap your brain around, like, things that you could do but haven't done. I mean, it's very hard to make. They were very, very hard to make. So what Mike Turian would do is when he had have holes, he would just come to me. I would just fill the holes. He didn't even go to the hole filling team. He tried a couple times, and it, it just proved fruitless for the hole filling team. It just was a, a little bit too hard, required a little bit too much kind of an intimate knowledge of sort of what's coming up and what could be done. Um, and I'd spent the whole time working on the set, so I was, I was in that mindset. So Mike would come to me. And so right before the set was going to go to print, he came to me and said, Okay, Mark, I need two cards. I need a blue card and a black card. Um, and, those, and, and I made those cards. In, I sat down in one session. I made those two cards. They were the very, very last things to go on the set. And they were 
Narc Amoeba, and Bridge from Below. Um, which have both going on to be uh, pretty good cards. Uh, one of the things about Future Sight, I mean, there's a couple of A, Mike Turing was known as a, as a developer that definitely uh, pushed boundaries, uh, power level-wise. But also, I think the reason Future Sight ended up being very powerful is um, development, it is hard to understand something you've never played with before. And normally in a set, you know, I, I will throw one or two curveballs at the developers. You know, I have one new mechanic they've never dealt with. But usually the other mechanics are things that are similar and they have some idea. Um, but this set, it was like, I was just throwing curveball after curveball after curveball. Like, this one works in the graveyard, but not in play. And this one does this. And this one, like, holy moly. And, like, every card was a curveball, especially the, especially the time shifter sheets. Um, and so they were, like... I think one of the things was it was hard to figure out and gauge the power level, you know, and that's why Futures, I think, has a higher power level than, than most in that there's just so many weird cards that do weird things. It's like, well, in the right circumstances, this could be good, but is it normally good, you know, and I think that's part of why it ended up the way it did. Okay, another big part of the set is what I called Mix and Match. So Mix and Match was inspired by Mark Gottlieb. Uh, in Unhinged, Mark Gottlieb made two cards. One was called Blast from the Past, and one was called Old Fogey. Uh, Blast from the Past was a burn spell that used every spell mechanic Mark could come up with, and Old Fogey was a creature that used a lot of creature mechanics. Now, Old Fogey was a little more jokey than Blast. Blast from the Past was more a straightforward, like, hey, here's a, a burn spell with five mechanics, where Old Fogey definitely had some more jokey uh, keywords. But both of them were kind of like, I'm using a lot of keywords, keywords from the past, and putting them together. In fact, when I wrote the FAQ for Unhinged, uh, for each of them, I'm like, here's you know, here's the me- mechanic. A with B works this way. B with C works this way. C with D works, you know. And I sort of walk through what happens when you combine mechanics. And what I found was, you know, like uh, with Blast from the Past, I mean, there were a few duds, but most of the mechanics actually worked kind of interestingly. You know, that you could, um, you know, do this and then do that. You know, you could you could kick it and then you could buy it back. And so you have a large effect, but you still get to keep it, you know, or, um, or you can kick it and flash it and stuff like that. It, it was kind of neat. Um, although it turns out that buyback and flashback, even though they share the back, don't work together. Um, so I liked that idea, and I felt like um, how often we're going to be in a place where we could do a mix and match. I felt like, you know, normally there's is an environment that has that many things where we can mix and match them together. And we made this decision that, you know, we were going to like, explore mechanics from the past. And so, you know, the first set, um, uh, Time Spiral, I think, had 12 returning mechanics and two new ones, I believe is what happened. And then along comes the next set, and that adds a couple. And anyway, I said, okay, let's do mix and match. Uh, and so I put Z Marshallwitz. Uh, what I said is V is, okay, here's all the mechanics I'm willing to bring back. And it was a pretty lengthy list. Um, and I said, okay, you... For each one of them, rank them from one to five. One means, or five means awesome. This is an awesome, awesome combo. This is really cool. You'll, you'll feel clever. Um, two means, it's, or sorry, four means that it's good, but you're not great. Three means it's okay. Two means it sucks. One means it doesn't even work. It's a non-bo, as we call it, or a bombo. Um, and so he went through, and he took all of them, and he ranked them from one to five. And then what I did is I made you put all the fives in. I think I got all the fours in, and I got... I think most of the threes in. Um, I mean, I got all the threes. I got all the five, four and fives in. 
Uh, and then so we, we just mixed and matched, and that was the kind of fun of it. It's like, what happens when this mechanic and that mechanic? Because normally what I explained when, at the time was, look, you know, the only way to get mechanics together is if they're in the same set. And while we do bring back mechanics, A, we don't pretend to bring back too many mechanics at the same time, and B, you know, at best there's two mechanics that can, you know, merge for a card. And so I was very excited about, you know, mix and match being something that we could give a very distinct feel. Um, and it, it felt a lot like the future to me, which is, well, in the future, that's where you see things we've done, but, you know, put together in different ways. In some ways, that spoke to me of what the future was. It's taking what magic has already done, but mixing and matching them in different ways. And so I thought this, these cards would be something that really sort of had that future feel to it. I mean, it's one of the big things, by the way, I'm big on feel was, I wanted the future site to have the sense of, you know, you're exploring this future that is different. And I looked for mechanics and things that had that sense. For example, I saved Scry for Future Sight because Scry to me was a mechanic all about, you know, seeing the future. I mean, literally, it's called Scry, which means to look into the future. Um, also, we had the packs, which were, um, interesting story, um, Paul Sotosanti, who was on the design team for Planar Chaos, was inspired by a card in Unhinged called um, Super uh, Turbo Powered Slug. What's it called? Uh, Turbo Powered Slug. Uh, I'm, that's not the name. Uh, it is Super Turbo Slug. Okay, so this is a problem with driving the car. Uh, it was a card from Unhinged. It was a little slug that had super haste. Um, and I can't remember its name. Super Turbo Charged. Ah, anyway. That card, you know what card I'm talking about. Uh, but he, he, during Planar Chaos, he, he came up with the idea of the packs, which were these cards in which you paid for it in the future. Um, or you paid for it next turn. But I say, wait, wait, Paul, that's, that's a future site mechanic, right? I get to do a spell now when I pay for it in the future? Uh, and so I stole it and, and put it into future site. Cause, I mean, it was a neat idea, but I mean, it was perfect for future site. Now, a lot of people, by the way, um, there was a big debate about the whole lose the game thing. And the reason I did that, why did I have you lose the game rather than some other negative is, I felt like if I gave you another negative, and we, we tried this, what you ended up doing was just building a deck to play around the negative, when that wasn't the point. The point of the cards were, I get a card now that I pay for next turn. And so I needed to do something to ensure you paid for it next turn. I wasn't trying to make a super Johnny card that you built around the negative. So I'm like, okay, how do I make you pay? Well, if you don't, you lose. That'll make you pay. You know, and... I mean, Pax had a little bit of a problem of people forgetting and losing, which is, wasn't really the point. And I, obviously, um, it's the biggest downside of Pax. But I do enjoy the idea of you got to pay now, or you got to pay later. You got to pay for what you get now. You know, I'll gladly pay a Tuesday for a hamburger today. Um, and I, I enjoyed them. I, I, the Pax were one of my favorite cycles in the sense of I love the gameplay of them. The idea that you know I, I get my resource now, but now I'm indebted to pay for it later. Um, um, anything else about the mix and match cards? Uh, Sprout Storm, Swarm for, well, I think that was a cool card. I think Convoke and Buyback went well together. It was a mistake that it ended up being common. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think in playtesting we realized, and obviously development didn't realize the power, it, you know, it's that kind of floating under the, reindeer, under the radar a little bit of how powerful it was. Um, and I know in, in Limited it's one of the big frustrating things about Future Side. And, I mean, obviously, like I said, it's more development than design, but um, if we had been a little more on the ball, maybe... I don't know. I, I, I do like... I mean, I, I like the mix and match of the card. I, I guess the rarity was wrong. Um, so here's something else um, that... For, to think about, uh, about the complexity of the set, which was before the set 
if you looked at the set as of Planar Chaos, how many mechanics existed in Magic? How many did Magic have if you went to the comp rolls? And I believe there were 56, you know. So there were 56 keywords that existed before Planar Chaos, before Future Sight came out. Okay, how many keyword mechanics were in Future Sight? Now, it introduced a whole bunch, but how many were in Future Sight? And the answer is 48. By the way, design turned over 51. Uh, Gottlieb ended up pulling, as a rules manager, pulled a few out during development. Um, but think about that. There were 56 in existence. There were 48 in Future Sight. You know, I mean, for people that want to sort of say, oh, you know, Future Sight, it's not, it's not that complicated. No, baloney, baloney, baloney. It's insanely, insanely, insanely complicated. Now, I understand, I understand that there are people who enjoy that. And obviously, I think the reason that Future Sight did so well in the Rosewater Rumble is I was on Twitter. This is my dedicated in-franchise following, right? You know, these are people who are like, I want to follow Mark on Twitter. These are people who've been playing Magic for a while, uh, a, a lot of them. And... I mean, like, I always talked about Future Sight being my art house film, which means it got critical raves, people loved it, who, who saw it and, and got it, um, but it, it had a bad opening weekend. You know, Future Sight did not do well, and the reason was there were 46 key, 48, 48 keywords, 48, let's imagine you were new to magic, okay? We normally, normally in a set, um, you know, we'll put... Eh, four or five mechanics, maybe six if we want to push it. But, I mean, you know, that, that's about it. And, and if we're doing five or six, like, they're simple, right? We're making sure not to have anything too complex, you know? And, I mean, I understand. Of the 48, some of them were the, the evergreen keywords. So, but I, let's take those away. There were, like, 30 keywords, you know? And, and some of them were very complex, but we'd never done them before. They're from the future, and, you know? Plus, we had mechanics that were just on one card or on a couple cards. And, like, it was, whew. It was a lot, you know, and um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not disappointed that we did it, and I, I think that Future Sight had a lot of fun to it. Um, but anyway, as I'm looking at my sheet, uh, I realize I have a lot more to say about Future Sight. In fact, I haven't talked about a single mechanic, and there are 48 of them! Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back next week, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, a lot of the individual... I think I'm going to talk about the mechanics next week, mostly, because uh, there's 48 mechanics to get through. 30 minutes, 48 mechanics, can I do it? Um, so next week I will talk about sort of a little bit more about Future Sight. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's uh, part one. And uh, next week will be more Future Sight. But I'm now at work. Uh, I parked in the parking spot. So it's time for me to go in. So I guess it's time for me to make the magic. <laughs>